Casey's work, Edgar Casey, Nostradamus, Global Warming, Mind Prophecy, Apocalypse, Space and Time, December 21st, 2012, 11-11, and uh, at the very end, my consciousness was dreaming, dreaming, dreaming. Gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of the Bands of Time. It's good for the Brian and I to be uh, with you tonight. We're going to talk about something that is on everybody's mind right now. Of course, uh, the stock market has been in headlong volatility, shall we say. Uh, it's been up and down all over the place. So, the Brian and I decided we better get uh, live with this. Of course, we uh, just found some stuff, right? I mean, just minutes before the broadcast again, uh, Brian decided to look at it in certain directions, and it was right there uh, where we needed to see it. So, you know, we need to take a, a look at this. Um, biblically speaking, of course, um, when we do uh, the Bible, of course, we're going to be using the Bible source code. When Brian is getting into the Hebrew, uh, he will be using the Masoretic Nadelich. Uh, when in the Greek, we'll be using the Septuagint coupled with the Aditta Regia. Uh, just so everybody knows. Uh, I know I've been reiterating that a lot. Uh, that is available uh, if you have a laptop or a desktop. Just go to the BibleSourceCode.com. There's a tab over there that will show you uh, and provide uh, the links for you there. I, I try to uh, get the links as clear as possible uh, so you can get your hands on the Bible source code. So we're going to take a look at this mess. Uh, we're going to take a look at a couple of dates, of course. Uh, Brian, while he was searching for articles uh, we <laughs> stumbled across massive things but 
let's just switch on over here uh, to the uh, desktop and I'll let you take a look at the social networking site just some of the things I've been posting here lately uh, dollar hits one year low versus the yen uh, ISIS in the news of course uh, they just destroyed uh, they're not telling you which monastery this is. Uh, that is critically important to uh, biblical prophecy. Uh, some scientific stuff me and Brian's probably going to be covering. But uh, the stock market route has just been all over this. Um, this is one post I made. Just do yourself a favor. I search Q4 profit falls and search for news past week. It's just off the charts. Everything is falling. Um, this graphic right here uh, I put up there, but it just goes on and on and on. Um, and this one really says it right here. Uh, it really is the stock market's worst year ever. Uh, but this has all been tied to, of course, the black gold. Uh, now that we have breached... Uh, all the way down to the $27 barrel uh, mark. This is turning in uh, in catastrophic ways. Um, take note that Goldman Sachs, its fourth quarter profit fell 65%. And uh, this just goes on and on. Um, you can plainly see the summary here in this article. Uh, this is going to get worse it's going to probably get really bad. Uh, but uh, when we take a look uh, at things, other things begin to start making sense. Like uh, this, here's from Zero Hedge. Of uh, the 7.5 year, it starts next week. Just some plain and simple graphs here. You can see, of course, he makes note to the uh, 666 lows of the S&P. Both times when it bottomed out, it went right at the 666 mark. Absolutely amazing, but you'll take note. Uh, this is a seven and a half a year cycle, so to speak. Um, he's got these charts that just, just come right out in your face and just show you. You just have to accept it. Um, that this is the way uh, things are going. Um this is a site, this is a very good uh, article uh, from themarketmaster.com. Uh, he's got part uh, one and two. It details this. Um, I suggest you go take a look at it because, once again, um, he gives you nothing but the facts. Uh, so I suggest you take a look at uh, parts one and two. Um, absolutely uh, mind blowing. Uh, documentation here uh, just laying it out to you uh, the way it's probably uh, going to be uh, with that in mind uh, we've got a whole lot to talk about tonight and a lot of it's going to tie in uh, with dates and figures that are included here on the circle of the earth but Brian and I is going to take a look at of course, uh, the bride of the Assyrian. 
we know beyond any shadow of a doubt, uh, the Assyrianologist uh, proved this fact back in the 1800s that Isis is, of course, uh, the bride of Osiris, which in Egyptian, that's Asher. So with that in mind, we've already extensively talked about Isis, uh, the role that it is playing. There are dates uh, here for, of course, Brian and I uh, told you extensively um, about uh, what goes on in Turkey and the etymology involved with uh, how that government is wrong in every way, shape, and fashion. Uh, it is known, uh, it's common knowledge that it is actually a deep state. That's where the term actually comes from, is its usage in connection with the government in part of the land of the midst of the rivers, Turkey. Uh, me and Brian have talked several times privately uh, about the summit of world leaders that were going on there, and we couldn't quite put our finger uh, on it. Well, we just kind of figured out what that was tonight. So uh, let's get uh, Brian uh, on here and let's get running into this headlong because I, I want you all to take note uh, that uh, we were going to do a broadcast on the uh, Portico of Solomon with Jose uh, and Thames and I. But Brian sent me some things just this morning. Everybody knows that uh, I have the day watch, he has the night watch. Uh, so during the night, <clears throat> he stumbled across some things that were disturbing to me. Brian put two and two together when it comes to the black gold. And when he came on tonight, uh, I was contemplating going to bed. I was going to record a short video uh, detailing uh, the sign of the seven witnesses, uh, but he popped on, so we just decided to go ahead. We need to do a test anyway, uh, because he's got some uh, new equipment uh, as far as sound goes, so we're going to run with that, <clears throat> but Brian and I don't waste our breath. We try to uh, follow the Lord our God in his footsteps. So he does not waste a breath, so we're not going to just do a test. We're going to try to get this out. But just take note that this is a crash course uh, for the Brian Eye. He just come across this information last night, and uh, within an hour of him coming online, we're going live with it. Uh, so it's pretty important. Um, sorry about the surroundings, and if you hear my space heater going, but I'm in the garage. So... Uh, not actually the garage, I'm sorry. Usually I broadcast from the garage. This time I'm in the barn. Uh, we have given it the affectional name of uh, the coop, uh, but that's where I'm at now. It's very cold, so I have to keep the heater running. Sorry if you hear that jet engine in the back. That's, that's what it is. I'll get better surroundings here probably uh, tomorrow or the next day. So, uh, DeBrian and I appreciate your prayers. 
thank you for all the correspondence that I've got here over the past uh, 21 days. It seems like I've just been hammered. Uh, I want to uh, relay my simple fact that um, I appreciate the two uh, faithful siblings that we have uh, that donate to us uh, once a month. We have one brother uh, and one sister that faithfully uh, keeps this ministry going once a month. So I want to make sure to thank them for that. And uh, let's get busy. Uh, let's try to uh, shine the light in dark places. Uh, on a side note, my son and I were just uh, discussing uh, once again uh, the Nephilim and Chimeras. And just minutes before uh, Brian come online, my son and I were discussing the possibilities uh, with what happened to their corpses. It's amazing how God works. So on a different level uh, with my son, <laughs> this ties right in with what we're talking about. So, Brian, why don't you jump in here and let's get this show on the road, shall we? Yeah, working here in the background. My CPU seems to be blasted. It's the good old browser. Um, hoping I'm coming through loud enough on the recording. Once again, we're dealing with brand new equipment. So, uh, let me see here. Oh, where'd I want to start? It's kind of a good question on this matter. Um, this is a little off base, but at the same time, it's not because this was also something that caught my attention yesterday. After um, coming across uh, more of a random thought, um, essentially Matthew and I were talking about varied odds and ends of what's going on here with the oil crisis. And it hit me uh, last night, after I, about an hour and a half or so after I woke up, as to what was going on uh, as far as uh, these oil price drops. And it made me wonder how connected uh, ISIS and the black market oil was with this. As you begin to look at this, you get a little bit of a different picture painted, though. And it... Uh, Sort of made sense as Matthew and I were talking here over the course of the last uh, 45 minutes or so as we were preparing for this. And that should be a transition then into this article quickly. Because uh, Matthew posted this yesterday on the social network and I caught it. And it sort of brings things into a little bit of clarity here. Uh, Iran's and Saudis acting out ancient Messiah prophecy. Jews familiar with the compilation of Agadic exegesis called Yalkut Shimone noticed in recent weeks that current tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia matches the prophecy it contains regarding the year in which the Messiah, the king who redeems Israel and the world, is to appear. In particular, the recently revealed Iranian plot to assassinate 
Saudi Arabia's ambassador to the U.S. And subsequent reports that the Arab nations are pressuring the West to attack Iran. Appear to fit the sequence of events predicted in the al Shimone. In the part of the book dealing with the book of Isaiah, the following passage appears. Rabbi Yitzhak said in the year in which Messiah King appears, all the nations of the world are provoking each other. The king of Persia provokes an Arab king, and an Arab king turns to a ram for advice. The king of Persia goes back and destroys the entire world, and all the nations of the world are in a panic and distress, and they fall upon their faces and are seized with pains like those of a woman giving birth. And Israel are in panic and distress and asking, where shall we go? Where shall we go? And he says to them, my sons, do not fear. All that I have done, I have done only for you. Why are you afraid? Do not fear. Your time of redemption has come. And the final redemption is not like the final redemption because the first redemption was followed by sorrow and servitude under other kingdoms. The final redemption is not followed by sorrow and servitude under other kingdoms. Persia is currently known as Iran. And an Arab king, or the Arab king, can reason reasonably understand in modern eyes as referring to the king of Saudi Arabia, the Arab homeland. The passage is relatively known and oft quoted and some modern versions of it substitute Edom for Aram. Ancient Jewish references to Edom are nowadays generally seen as referring to Europe or the West. Aram refers to the part of ancient Mesopotamia roughly congruent to the northern part of modern Iraq and eastern Syria. The instability is precisely this area is reportedly what most concerns the Saudis as a U.S. pullout from Iraq looms and Syria's pro-Iranian regime teeters. The prophecy bodes ill for much of the world, which if Rabbi Yitzhak's quote is to be taken literally, is to be destroyed by Iran before the Messiah steps in. The identity of the compiler, Yalkut Shimoni, is not known with certainty, but a copy of it is known to have existed 700 years ago in 1310, the works, it quotes, are even older and go back to earlier Talmudic times. A oh, random thought hit me, but nonetheless. Now, I want everybody to take note as well. We've covered this in the past concerning the, uh, the Islamic um, aspects that had come up here with the black flags of Khorasan. As this fervor was... One of the key factors that began to pull many of these um, groups of people into the Islamic State, into ISIS, and that move forward towards the Islamic State. And as you look at this, you know, they uh, made this reference here to Aram. And you take note that they brought up Iraq in an eastern part in Syria. Well, this is also the place where you have these Islamic State groups are gathering because according to their texts and their end time prophecies, this is the major place where ground zero begins, or rather starts to begin. So there's been a massive focus going right on this you know, spot that 
is being referred to as a ram here. And you have a little bit of an interesting wordplay with Edom going on here as well. And I think this is maybe... Uh, it's hard telling. Where do I want to go first? Do I want to go with the Greek or do I want to go with the Hebrew? Because the Hebrew is going to show you how Edom somehow has gotten into this. And I think the Greek is going to paint a little clearer of a picture as to why we call this program what we did. Now, let me move over here and go into that program. Bring this up. And right here, we've got the Greek word. Um, this is what I've got up here. This is the word for covenant. Now, I wanted people to take note of the appearance here as I have it. Uh, the first appearance here is in Daniel 9.4. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, O Lord, the great and wonderful God, keeping thy covenant and thy mercy to them that love thee and to them that keep thy commandments, we have sinned. Now, we have our next usage right here in Daniel 9, verse 27. And I want everybody to take note of the placement of this. Okay, because... Beginning here at verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, the anointed one shall be destroyed, and there is no judgment in him, and he shall destroy the city and the sanctuary with the prince that is coming. So, you know, take note right here is we have this cutoff point. I've talked about this in the past. I have to make some corrections, mind you, to the piece that I put out earlier. Because my mathematics, I realized I was rather brain dead with what I put. But that 62-week countdown actually starts at Artaxerxes. Cyrus set out the decree, yes, but there was a lot of interference. And as we found out in... The last few weeks, it seems that Haman was at the heart of the interference as well inside of Israel as they proceeded to once again try to set up the temple again. Nonetheless, moving forward, we have, and after the 62 weeks, the anointed one shall be destroyed. Everybody come on here. Take note. 62 weeks. We've said this over and over and over again. And this is the crux and the heart of why it was that this blood moon Tetrad, the Blood Moon Jubilee, was so very important. And I asked Matthew to do a search on this yesterday, and I've even seen it myself. The naysayers have actually stepped back and have readjusted and went, Houston, things seem to be going down and rather quickly here. And I had a suspicion that was going to be the case, and I noticed it myself yesterday just strolling through the social network. It just happening to come across a few varied profiles of people I didn't even know where they were dropping multiple references to this that we are definitely entering into those last days. Okay, but nonetheless, let's keep moving here. Okay, you know, once we have this comment here and there's no judgment in him, now we have the apostrophe. And he shall destroy the city and the sanctuary with the prince that is coming. Matthew did a teaching on this extensively quite a while back. This prince right here, very important. I'll have Matthew explain that when we come back in with him quickly. That shall be cut off with flood, and to the end of the war, which is rapidly completed, he shall appoint the city to desolations. Here's the famous one that everybody talks about. And one week shall establish the covenant with many. 
And in the midst of the week, my sacrifice and drink offering shall be taken away. And on the temple shall be the abomination of desolations. And at the end of time, an end shall be put to desolation. Alrighty here, moving forward. Now we move into the next appearance in Daniel of this. And there was a reason that I started looking here in the first place. I wanted to re-evaluate. We've talked extensively about the worship showing up there at Cyprus, a.k.a. Kittim. And we've talked extensively about the forces from his seed that shall arise. We're looking right at the circumstance with ISIS. We went out of our way to make sure everybody recognizes what has been happening here. Now, Daniel 11 verse 28 is just a little bit prior to this. And he shall return to his land with much substance and his heart shall be against the Holy Covenant. And he shall perform great deeds and return to his own land. And let me see here. I wanted to pull in. Come on. When we come down here. 11 verse 30. And this is right here. It says Kittians. Let's see if the ESV is what we standardly recognize, which is Kittim. For the ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw. And he shall turn back and be enraged and take action against the Holy Covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Now to go over to the English rendering of this Greek. You know, and I think Matthew's pointed this out several times as well. You know, for the Kittians, same thing as Kittim. Cyprus, issuing forth, shall come against him, and he shall be brought low, and shall return, and shall be incensed against the Holy Covenant, and he shall do thus, and shall return and have intelligence with them that have forsaken the Holy Covenant. Right here on top of it, we've covered this, and seeds shall spring up out of him, and they shall profane the sanctuary of strength, and remove the perpetual sacrifice and make the abomination desolate. And then this is where we go into 11 verse 32. And the transgressors shall bring about a covenant by deceitful ways. The people knowing their God shall prevail and do valiantly. And this is one of the reasons I decided to look closer at this. Because the way this is rendered in the English translation of the Greek brings this into a lot more clarity. And the transgressors shall bring about a covenant by deceitful ways. That was what caused me to dive a little bit deeper into this word. I'm trying to think of where to go first here. Let's go up to Psalms 82 or 83 in the uh, Greek. Once again, as you can see here, that exact, and I'm using exact spellings in this search, everybody, so you understand. If I were to go to the offshoot words of it was a much larger search. I only wanted the exact spellings. Nonetheless, so Psalm 82 in the Hebrew. This is Psalm 83, verse 5 in the Greek. 
for they have taken counsel together with one consent. They made a confederacy against thee. So what are we looking at here? Well, we can break this down even further. So we've got the tents of the Idumeans, that's Edom. We have the Ishmaelites, Moab, and the Hagarines. Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, the Philistines also with them that dwell at Tyr. So a major majority of this list that we have here is what we would commonly refer to as the Arabian nations. Edom we have talked about extensively. The name Aden itself is a derivative from Edom. That is what is within modern day Yemen. Okay, the Ishmaelites, Moab, Moab and Ammon, the sons of Lot, which we already get lock, stock, and barrel. Once again here with Gabal, Ammon, and Amalek, the Philistines also with them that dwell at Tyr. So logic dictates we'll probably need to look around Tyr to find out what's going on with the modern day Philistines. And this here's the big one. Asher 2 is come with them. They have become a help to the children of Lot. They put here pause. I prefer the Hebrew rendering of Selah. So we can see already what we've got set in motion here, especially concerning the fact that we've got all of these nations tied in with what we're beginning to see with the collapse within the oil. And... One of the interesting ones that I found that really stood out, because we've covered this extensively in the past, with the Pashtun that happened to be in, I believe it's modern day Afghanistan, who traces their name to these sons of Joseph, quite literally telling you, because this tribe they've also further narrowed down, this is Ephraim that is there. From what they've ascertained, I'm not there on the ground. I can't completely 100% verify this. From what they have seen, they have been caught in with Al-Qaeda. So that kind of takes this up a whole other notch. And once again, we've covered this extensively. I believe it was the Black Flags of Corazon, but I'm not certain if that was the one or not. But I will try to link in that show, the audio itself, into the notes so people can uh, catch up to where we're at and what I'm talking about if they have not heard it. <coughs> but I found it rather interesting knowing that they've located this branch of Ephraim that is there inside with this Pashtun tribe inside of Khorasan, which is also a term for the east. Bringing back in, this also used to be a part of the Persian Empire itself, and that's where you get this locked in with its naming through the Arabic. Right here in Hosea 12, we have, But Ephraim is an evil spirit, and he has chased the east wind all day. He has multiplied empty and vain things, and made a covenant with the Assyrians, and oil has gone in the way of traffic into Egypt. And the Lord has controversy with Judah in order to punish Jacob, According to his ways and according to his practices, will he recompense him? So that's just a little touch here for a moment on that because we're going to build into this to start 
possibly bringing something into a little bit more clarity. Man, let's, uh, Matthew, it's your turn to... Alrighty, bro. Go ahead and speak. A tsunami of information uh, right there. <clears throat> uh, tying these two things or together. Not. I may have lost Matthew. No, I'm speaking. I'm here. I'm here, Brian. I'm unmuted. Yeah, your screen's in disarray at the moment. Is <laughs> me uh, slide over to that for a moment while you get everything set that you want. You've got me, right? Oh yeah, you're. Yeah, I have you no problem. That ain't an issue. Okay, sorry. Oh, it was my screen was still on screen share. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Not uh, a problem. Nobody ever said we were absolute pros and glossy million dollar productions here well ladies and gentlemen this this tsunami of information uh, will certainly give you a headache when you begin to realize when you begin to step back and, and realize the timing uh, of all these things uh, you know I, I showed that one article before um, that brings into stark contrast i'll just bring it up here again for us uh, so everybody can see it there um it was known from the very beginning uh that isis was making a severe uh threat uh to the oil everybody knew this was going to happen of course, it was later released that ISIS was making gains and profit through the oil by selling it through Turkey. So, absolutely uh, amazing what has taken place here. Um, the statements made here in this article uh, are just off the charts when you begin to put two and two and two together. Um, it really is off the charts. Uh, the conclusions you can come to just uh, by looking at the news. Absolutely amazing. So, all this being said, um, here's another article on this uh, seven-year cycle. Everybody knows it, uh, it seems like. Um, here, let me just point this out. Reaching back to 49 years ago, uh, in 1966, the USA experienced a credit crunch. In August of that year, the U.S. bond market suffered a serious liquidity crisis. Seven years later, in 1973, the world experienced an oil embargo followed by a dramatic rise of price in oil. Uh, there were long lines of cars at gas stations. Move forward seven years. In 1980, Wall Street avoided a collapse of some of its bank and brokerages housing by forcing the Hunt brothers to stop accumulating silver. The brokerages were shorting silver in the futures market where the Hunt brothers were buying contracts and taking delivery. Um, absolutely incredible uh, what happened there with silver. Uh, another seven years passed in the fall of 1987. Stock markets crashed around the world. Black Monday of October 1987 saw the Dow lose 22% in one day. Now, with all this being said, 
ladies and gentlemen. If you think they didn't know this and couldn't plan to put ISIS right in the crux to cause all of this, I would say you were rather short-sighted. Because it seems to me that, now, now just take note, um, you know, I showed you articles from Zero Hedge, uh, this one, uh, just laying it right out on the table. Um, you'll take note, this site has nothing to do uh, with the Lord our God. It is completely uh, secular. Uh, so everybody knew this. So when you begin to look into the times and the dates, this is what uh, Brian and I looked at. Now, this is what we found just before this show. We had all forgot about the Turkish summit, of course, in uh, 2015. We knew where it was at. Why would you have this place in the deep state? Why? Brian and I couldn't figure it out. Of course, you take note at the dates. This over here is, of course, uh, whitehouse.gov uh, detailing uh, what went on there. And it's absolutely amazing. Because, ladies and gentlemen, take a look. I plainly showed you. Me and Brian knew something important was happening. Right here it is. When you take it from that date to the sign of the strike, you get exactly 216 days. Why should that stick out to uh, the bridal procession? Look and see. I have explained to everybody many, many, many times uh, the simple fact uh, that there are not 360 degrees in the circle of the Earth. There's 432. Of course, that means that there's exactly 50 nautical miles in each degree because, of course, our uh, diameter is, of course, 21,600 nautical miles. You'll take note that half of that is 216. Now, just take note uh, that that creates a three-dimensional image of a cube. That's what 216 does. It creates, of course, a cube that is six wide, six high, and six deep. Now, you begin to understand why the beast tries to mimic that by labeling uh, those who worship him with 666. Let's go back to zero hedge again, shall we? I'm going to point something out to you one more time really quick. The S&P clearly stopped on a dime twice at 666. Now, 
if you think these two things are not tied together, I suggest you dig a little bit deeper into the Bible. The ramifications of this is off the charts. The, the timing was absolutely perfect. Someone was behind the scenes pulling these strings. Somebody knew exactly when to schedule a meeting of the D20, uh, the G20, I mean, excuse me, inside the deep state, which is inside the land of the midst of the rivers, to be completely and absolutely orchestrated. By perhaps the false prophet, whom is the Assyrian, or at the very least, the Ten Kings. Now, in reference to that oil embargo, that zero, or no, uh, that other site, I'm sorry, I can't remember which site that was. But the reference to the 1973, of course, is in direct reference to uh, the war that happened there with Israel and in conjunction with the releasing of the infamous Club of Rome map that divided the circle of the earth amongst ten kings. So at the very least, those ten kings orchestrated this. If not by making a covenant with the Assyrian inside his deep state. I know everybody's watching the stock market. <clears throat> I know that uh, our economy absolutely uh, depends on it, so one would think. Well, Brian and I are under a different uh, conclusion. Of course, it is the Lord our God that's not only in control of the oil price, the stock market, the economy, Germany, Persia, Greece, Saudi Arabia, everything, lock, stock, and barrel. That's who's running this show. And we all need to take note of what the Lord our God says. Number one, he calls the Assyrian Chizax. Number two, he makes it perfectly clear to you that is he that puts it into the heart of the ten kings to burn mystery Babylon. He does it. So with these key facts, this rather uh, hastily put together broadcast we're doing, is rattling my cage. When you take a look at why they would utilize uh, petroleum in the mix. Petroleum, of course, comes from the Greek. Not the Latin. When you understand, uh, chemically speaking, what it is that petroleum is comprised of, 
you begin to realize just exactly how uh, dark this deed may be. Because everybody knows we've had alternative forms of energy for quite some time. However, How could the Lord our God arrange it that these people would make a covenant with death? Let's be honest with each other. Everybody knows that before modern times and even now, everything is ran by the trade routes. The only problem therein is that in order for a trade route to even exist, it must have an energy source. If that trade route is based on camels, you need a whole lot of grain to feed that way of transportation. We've all been forced down the path that all trade routes can only be ran one way. With petroleum, it doesn't matter where you go. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're using diesel for semi-tractor trailers or diesel for the trains or jet fuel. Doesn't matter. Diesel, gasoline, fuel of any shape, way, or form is the only way to transport anything on this planet. There's no more sailboats anymore. The only way to transport anything on this planet is with oil. If you control that and then you turn around, and not only that, hinge the entire economy off that commodity, well, it puts things in a whole different light. I wonder if this is the reason why uh, gold is not the basis for our currency or silver. It makes me wonder if that was not the reason the whole time was to tie the basis for not only the economy, but also that which controls the trade routes. You kill two birds with one stone. covenant with death. Let's go ahead and switch over here so I can show you something else. Of course, uh, here's the Hebrew version of it. But uh, petroleum, ladies and gentlemen, uh, make no mistakes, it consists of hydrocarbons, and organic compounds. Now, they say that uh, it is usually formed uh, when zooplankton and algae are buried underneath sedimentary rock and subject to intense heat and pressure. Of course, they're not telling you the obvious, are they? They don't want you to see the truth. Do they? Ladies and gentlemen, how 
on Earth? Could zooplankton and algae, which are both under the sea, get buried in tons of sedimentary rock? Ah, yes. The flood. It wasn't but 10 years ago I started uh, my research into every religion on this planet concerning the flood. Now I understand that my resources were extremely limited back then. We didn't have the internet of course and I'm sure you can do this search for yourself now in a matter uh, of moments but back then that was the conclusion I came to no matter what historical religious text I could get my hands on they all said the same thing there was in fact a flood it's a universal theme I and my son was just looking at the flood and how the quarters were like walls. Boy, isn't that a good study because that's not quite what God's word says. What it does say will blow your mind. But there's only one way that stuff could have happened and it makes you wonder Really, what else was a play? I live here in the Bakken. One thing everybody knows. When you dig, there is a very high probability that you're going to run into dinosaurs. Everybody knows this. And you've got to keep your mouth shut. Uh, because if you don't, of course, the EPA will run in and then there'll be, you know, uh, these dino hunters running around. Everybody knows this. Everybody's heard me talk and me point out, get yourself a skeleton of a kangaroo, get yourself a skeleton of an alligator, and use your imagination to put together a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It don't take very long for you to see exactly why that creature could not put its hands to its mouth. You've heard me talk about that many times. I'm not going to spend very much time on it right now, but I will tell you this. The Bible is very loud and clear in telling us that flesh is different from flesh. It tells us that the flesh of man is different from beast. Uh, our flesh is different from fruit. This being the case, a chimera was half angel and half beast. A Nephilim was half angel, half man. Like I said, me and my son were talking about this earlier today. He asked me, Daddy, 
what would that have made their flesh? I said, well, one thing I've come to the conclusion of after a whole lot of study is that their anatomy would have had to have contained hydrocarbons. A covenant with death. That's what petroleum is, ladies and gentlemen. Dead things. It is literally a super compressed, decomposed carcasses. Brian, I think I got everybody's attention. You made reference earlier uh, that I was supposed to shed light on something. Yes, I've talked about this extensively and let me remind everybody once again. The false prophet, the Assyrian, is something altogether different. He has given the authority to even cast down princes. Not only that, uh, we learn in Revelation chapter 16 that he and the one whom he worships, the scapegoat, and Satan are possessed by three evil spirits in the form of frogs. Now we know that the Bible tells us very loud and clear uh, that they clothe themselves in flesh when they come down and step off of Jacob's ladder. This is how Satan is possessed by an evil spirit at said time because he's already been kicked off Jacob's ladder on the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. And he was re- fused re-entrance thereof of course by Michael leading the charge for those that are saints in the heavens the good angels so we know that his flesh and the flesh of the scapegoat that doth come out of the abyss they have the same type of flesh it just makes you wonder, what is this thing that is called the Lord's Axe? Brian and I have spoken about that privately and we're not quite ready to make that determination yet. Oh, I know it's there. I know the Lord my God is faithful. And I don't share this publicly very often, ladies and gentlemen, but there's some things that Brian will press me about. I'll just flat tell him I don't go there. Don't want to know it. Don't need to know it. I need to be afraid. And to be perfectly honest with you, the past 21 days have been awful frightful for me because the amount of information that we've got using the history books, absolutely proving the Bible beyond any shadow of a doubt. It's been kind of scary. 
light has been shown into deep, dark places I never thought I would ever come to the conclusion of those texts. Me and Brian has mentioned one of them here in the last couple of broadcasts, Isaiah 47. Oh, you could put a face to that name. You can. And it's amazing how fast those answers came. So with that in mind, Brian's already covered some of the Bible source code. And let me remind everybody one more time. I know that uh, the majority of our listeners uh, do not have English as a first language. So I'll just bring it up for you one more time. When Brian goes into the Bible, he is using either the Hebraic, which is the Masoretic coupled with the Delich New Testament, or the Greco, which is the Septuagint coupled with the Edito Regia. With that in mind, Brian, jump back in here. Let's get to this. Hey, alrighty. Let's see. I'm messing with some sound settings in the background, trying to see if I can get my voice up a little louder. I don't know how it's coming through the video, but we'll find out. New equipment here. I'm hoping this takes care of some of the other issues. My computer was having a mensing immensely frustrating uh, blue screens and all sorts of other fun problems going on and I finally after weeks was able to find out it was my old uh, audio interface that was causing the issue so luckily this one showed up we've been kind of waiting for this and now here's the test run to see what we what I need to tweak in the meantime so um hmm I suppose I can go over here and chit chat for a moment. You know, this is uh, the entire idea behind this. The reason that it kind of struck me to look at this again more so last night is, you know, it kind of was ironic. Uh, Matthew and I had a discussion a little while back about how was it that I started getting into doing these podcasts and obviously now video and so forth. But this kind of stretches back to one of the uh, first call-ins I had. Um, good grief right at the end of uh, 2011 and was discussing some stuff with Rob Skiba that I had come across concerning uh, petroleum, concerning oil and I was caught rather off guard by the fact that I think it was BP but I wasn't exactly certain of who it was was looking into and taking DNA and genetics from the oil now knowing full well that oil is the byproduct of death and you know the depths and how low it is that they're going to take this oil from and then on top of it they're trying to extract genetic and DNA material from it this set off major alarms in my mind you know years upon years back I had released some extensive amounts of work concerning the um, you know the entirety of Genesis 6-4 the Nephilim, a.k.a. Giants, the offspring of what transpired during that time. And at the same time, I was doing, you know, if this thing was to reemerge and, you know, pop up its head again, and this time, how are they going to do it? 
Now, I know a lot of theories went around this way and the other. I had always suspected that there was going to somehow be a genetic tie where they were going to start manipulating DNA somehow in this equation. Yet we can clearly see what will not happen. These things will not be able to hold together. You know, as Matthew has pointed out to me, it's a term called chromosomal cohesion. As iron mixes with clay, it shall not cleave unto one another. They'll make these things, they'll fall apart. Basically, bottom line is what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think that was something in more of a long, stretched out variant of what we want to get into at some point and really start shedding some light on what's going on here now in this day and age in comparison to some of the other aspects that are being, you know, kind of mulled around, either be it theoretically or some people have taken hard stances on it. Nonetheless, I had always been in that mindset that if they were going to try doing anything, they were going to mess around with the manipulation of genetics and DNA. So this was already something way back that I had my eyes on concerning petroleum, concerning oil, knowing the fact that this was tied into genetic material and DNA. And, well, backing it up there, what I meant to say that this is tied into dead organisms, as Matthew once again pointed out there. So now moving full circle to where we are in this day and age, we're sitting here looking at this complete and absolute chaos that is being caused due to the fact of what we're seeing with the uh, oil markets. And let me go over here. This was one that kind of put it into perspective with me because I was looking at this in the opposite direction. My first thoughts on this, and it does tie in, believe me. But the one thing that it hit me last night was ISIS's black market oil was this the contributing factor that led to this collapse? But this is where you have to pull back and reconsider what it says there in Psalms 82 or 83 in the Greek in verse 5. Leading up to this covenant and how it is that we have a mass majority of these Arabian nations that are tied into this. Because, and this guy basically brings it into full swing here. Um... As a consequence, Saudi Arabia is in full court press against ISIS. In addition to supporting opposition forces fighting ISIS, Saudi Arabia has an additional weapon that can deploy against ISIS, even if it is a blunt weapon, as the global price of oil. It was a little less than a year and a half ago that the price of oil began to decline with the Saudi decision to keep pumping despite increasing global supplies of oil. That was only several months after ISIS consolidated its control of several important oil fields in eastern Syria and then later in western Iraq. So you had a twofold cohesion working in tandem here to bring us to where we're at. Saudi Arabia continued to pump oil out, saturating the market. And let me remind everybody quickly of what happened during the time of Solomon concerning silver. There was so much of it that it no longer had any value. We go back and we look at the patterns of collapses in the past. 
You know, one of my favorite key ones to always focus in on is the Bronze Age Collapse. And you have to wonder what really transpired there because in findings, for instance, when that collapse came about, they found, you know, very especially if I remember correctly, some of these were found in the regions around Ireland and the Celtic areas were immense amounts of bronze, uh, what would you call these, you know, metal forging areas where they had great big ingots set out. They were just knocked over off their tables and pretty much just discarded into the uh, dirt, essentially. And this is something I have often wondered about. You know, Matthew and I have talked about this a lot behind the scenes and have, you know, kind of speculated over certain odds and ends about this for a very long time. But when you sit down and you look at, for instance, when the Sea Peoples came into the equation at their timing during the Bronze Age collapse, and you think about the fact that iron was also making its way slowly into the markets and was essentially overturning the use of the old aspect that was upholding the economy, which was the marketing and moving of bronze, and then iron had been forced into the equation I've often wondered at the fact alone that the varied groups within the Sea People, and we've talked extensively now about the Shekelesh and the connection I've made to them with the Scythian and the uh, Shaka most specifically, I began to wonder if them jumping into the scene when they did had more to do with the fact of undoing the damage that was being done economically by entering in this new form of a material that was driving the economy. Now, which side were they on? Were they trying to enforce the new move of iron? Or were they trying to enforce the old ways of using bronze? That one's a little more difficult to get to the bottom of. But I will say this. The regions associated specifically with the uh, Saka, or even known as Shaka, group within the Scythian has been tied into the very first refining of the metal of the use of bronze and the tied-in trade routes that went early in has also locked itself into the good old Saka Scythian with the pointed hats. I found evidence of them being in the Celtic lands at the time when they were mining massive amounts of tin from that area and this keeps going but archaeologically they have proven that the very areas where the Scythian where the Shaka were settled that was where the beginning forms of the use of bronze came into effect. So when we swing this into fast forward motion and look at what we're dealing with here at this stage with collapse being eminent as they've already for years on end now tried to find another way to go with varied, you know, uh, green energy factors you know, using varied uh, solar. We had the free energy thing. Mr. Cash just magically dropped the uh, free energy device onto the market at a very pivotal point in time, right around the same time that this G20 out in Ankara was taking place. What we've seen here is the dominoes being thrown into place to create the absolute and perfect storm. We're sitting on the precipice of either a massive collapse or is it that we're looking at something that could end up being the crux 
that covenant spoken of in Daniel 9 verse 27, in Daniel 11, and so forth. Let me move over here quick and we'll go back into the Bible itself and take a look at some of these other ones. There's a specific reason that I had decided to go with the name of this program as it is. Here we can see we've got two verses in Isaiah 28. Another very interesting one in Isaiah 24. Isaiah 28 verse 15. And I'll take it in here at the beginning of the stanza. Therefore hear you the word of the Lord, you afflicted men and you princes of the people that is in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with Hades and agreements with death if the rushing storm should pass, it shall not come upon us. We have made falsehood our hope, and by falsehood shall we be protected. Isaiah 28, verse 18. Go again, we'll start with the uh, beginning of the stanza. And I will cause judgment to be for hope, and my compassion shall be for just measures. And you that trust vainly in falsehood shall fall. For the storm shall by no means pass by you, except it also take away your covenant of death, and your trust in Hades shall by no means stand. If the rushing of the storm should come upon you, you shall be beaten down by it. Let me look here at what other verses I have in my notes. Let's see, Ezekiel 32 verse 27. Add in this one. And that was from a different search. I'll bring that up quickly here. Go over to that. Thirty-two. Take it to twenty-seven so we can get an Eiffel. And they are laid with the giants that fell of old, who went down to Hades with their weapons of war, and they laid their swords under their heads. But their iniquities were upon their bones, because they terrified all men during their life. Let's move forward here. And thou shalt lay in the midst of the uncircumcised, with them that have been slain by the sword. There are laid the princes of Asher, who yielded to the strength, to the wound of the sword. These that are laid with the slain, with them that go down to the pit. There are the princes of the north, even all the captains of Asher, who go down slain to Hades. They lie uncircumcised among the slain, with the sword together with the terror and their strength. And they received punishment with them that go down to the pit. King Pharaoh shall see them and shall be comforted over their force, force, saith the Lord God. For I have caused his fear to be upon the land of the living. Yet he shall lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that are slain with the sword, even Pharaoh and all his multitudes with him, saith the Lord God. Let me double check what else I've got here in my notes. Hmm. Ezekiel 32, verse 27. Let's go over to Revelation 20, verse 13. 
Alright. And the seed gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's go back over here to a verse previous to this. Revelation 6 verse 8. Start at seven. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the living, fourth living creature say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, and with famine, and with pestilence, and wild beasts of the earth. We have continual references here. Let me see what else I've got in here. I mean, that's just it. It's encoded all throughout Jeremiah 34. Got it there in 34 verse 8. 34 verse 15. And so forth. We've got it all over in Ezekiel 16. You know, this this word is quite obviously commonly used as many times as it comes up. 158 verses. Nonetheless. As I have kind of pointed out. Is this what we're looking at here, folks? As we have moved along in this progression of events that have transpired here over the course of the last few months, this drop in these oil prices can consistently been a cause for concern amongst those watching the economy. Now we've moved into this stage where we have the entire world sort of already fixated on the events that is going on with ISIS throughout Iraq and Syria. We've had a mass amount of nations thrown into this equation. Things happening inside of Turkey. We had this meeting take place here. And then the crux of the matter all of a sudden entered the equation as Iran had the embargoes list lifted because of the uh, nuclear weapons program that was being investigated. And then suddenly, lo and behold, within the last couple of months, they completely lifted it. This treaty had been signed into effect. They stopped even investigating if they had nuclear weapons. The uh, leader of the UN or NATO completely signed a bill into effect that said this is done and over with. In the meantime, never mind the fact that they're launching rockets, testing new, very powerful 
rockets that are able to travel very quickly and with a very heavy payload. And then the perfect storm was created. And I warned about this at least within the last couple of months. The moment that embargo is lifted inside of Iran, they're going to flood the market with more oil. Now this week it happened. That's exactly what transpired. Iran began to flood the market. Over the weekend, massive announcements all throughout the Middle East that markets there were collapsing. The perfect storm has been set in motion. And quite a careful little plot kind of made its way to where we're sitting now. Indeed, Brian. Now, as that Israeli <laughs> news article had brought up, especially now that we have Saudi Arabia and Iran going at one another, this is great cause for concern, especially to those that are watching these events play out in real time that we are told to specifically watch for. They bring up a reference there about, they're talking about Ezekiel 39. We haven't got to this yet. This is a project in the background. Our brother Jose noticed something that I missed concerning this setup of what they referred to as Magi in Persia and that word Magog. Should have noticed it before because Ezekiel 38 on top of it goes into more detail and actually lists all the nations that are tied in with this God, the chief prince of the land of Magog. Right in there in broad daylight, depending on your translation, brings up media. The other one says Persia. It's telling you right there a locative. What they're telling you in that article, Iran has slipped itself back into a spot where this is going to start escalating even more so. Now that they've been able to flood the markets with oil, thereby dropping the economy to its knees even more so, you begin to wonder about this meeting behind closed doors. You begin to wonder about what this covenant could be about. And this covenant of death, when you stop and think about the fact that a, where oil comes from, and B, if something doesn't happen here, nations worldwide are going to topple immediately. Now you begin to question, what is this covenant that's going to be made with these ten kings behind closed doors? Or has this already been set in motion? This could play out in one of two ways. I'd keep an eye out for both. But if suddenly we have something shift gears and things magically appear to sort of straighten themselves out, folks, that's sort of the direction I'm looking now. But I'm not really willing to negate looking at the other spectrum. It's either that or they just let this whole set of dominoes get set in motion and drops everything at once. But nonetheless, folks, you need to take note of something that Matthew stated earlier. 
America's actions is what led to this long, slowly moving decline that we are seeing now. Starting back in the 80s, we had the Iranian crisis. We had a change in leadership there. We talked about earlier when we went back and talked about what happened there with Darius the Great, how there was a regime change. We had the same sort of event happen in Iran. Saddam Hussein, well, they sort of propped him up a little bit here in the Americas and kind of, well, they needed a weapon against Iran. Well, Saddam got out of control. Now, simply, they could have taken other actions to take care of that problem. Instead, they chose to invade Iraq. Where did that lead? It destabilized Iraq, caused a power vacuum. Therefore, now all of a sudden, ISIS came out of that power vacuum. I know there's a lot of conspiracies out there where people are saying that the CIA created them and so forth, but no, folks, I'm sorry, that's not what happened. You go into a set of nations, you start overthrowing governments, you start bringing in absolute anarchy and chaos. Once things move along into the next generation, these people are going to grow up ticked off. This set the wheels in motion to what ended up happening here with the Islamic State. You have an entire generation of people that are disheartened, they were angry. And it set the whole ball of wax rolling for them to come into the equation. Now, how long are these forces from him, this forces from his seed, going to go on? That's a good question. The thing is, now Iran has really moved into the equation. And we are looking at a whole much larger piece of the equation starting to stare us right in the eyes. That's just it. Matthew's got some articles up right there. I'm going to shoot it right over to his screen. Yeah, Brian, this is, this is right in your face here. Um, Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this all happened on our bank holiday, January the 20th. As soon as the Iranian oil hit the markets, it crashed all the Middle Eastern markets. Uh, this article is from uh, Breibart, of course. Um, just off the charts. Um, absolutely amazing what happened on Monday, uh, the 20th. Uh, this is the article from uh, The Telegraph. Um, just absolutely amazing. Uh, you put these two articles together and you realize that they dumped 500,000 barrels a day. That's what Iran did. You flip over to here, you find out uh, that that was, uh, they lost almost a 40 billion in a market panic on Sunday. Absolutely amazing this, this this catastrophic event that was solely uh, done by us. And then of course uh, 
in the same breath that these articles came out. Bam. Saudi official won't rule out seeking nuclear bomb to meet Iran threat. Of course, the Saudis have no nuclear capabilities outside of what we provide for them. So you'll take note of all that we have done. Now, everybody knows that how is this possible? How can we be on both sides of this game? Well, I hate to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we obviously overtly are. Either that or someone forced us to be. It was our actions that has caused this catastrophe in Saudi Arabia. And then Saudi Arabia turns right around and says they won't rule out seeking a nuclear bomb to meet the Iranian threat. Let's jump over here for just a minute. Uh, sorry to backtrack, but of course here's the original abstract uh, from them doing the uh, DNA testing uh, on the oil. Uh, the microorganisms inhibiting the subterranean oil fields have recently attracted much attention. Uh, this article, of course, was all the way back from 2002. Uh, just to uh, put the uh, dots on the eyes, so to speak. Um, so that gives a rather frightening look into how long I knew about that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. So. Ladies and gentlemen, with this tsunami of information here, realizing the ramifications of why they would set all this up, it immediately makes you wonder, uh, based on that seven-year cycle, what brings us back to 1973, doesn't it? It makes you wonder if not only that map of the Deca-divided planet. If these things weren't determined that day as well, makes you wonder. The timing of this event being exactly 216 days prior to the sign of the strike is absolutely mind-blowing. I'm sure you caught some of those verses, what could be a prophetic reference to the corpses of the unclean. The corpses of the wicked. Ladies and gentlemen, the prospects of everything that we've shared to you Tonight is just breathtaking, is what it is. Breathtaking. Even the overt references there, you know, many times uh, my wife has asked me, why in it, is it in Revelation that says that the sea gives up her dead first? Why is that? Well, when we look at it through the prophetic lens that the bride just provided for us, 
Remember what I said about how oil comes into being. Ladies and gentlemen, it's off the charts. Now, even my eyes are opened uh, a little bit, even after an entire lifetime of dedicating myself to the bibliodiciacy. I look now and I realize, well, that's how oil's made. You take zooplankton, algae from the sea, and somehow you bury it under a whole bunch of sediment. Now those verses just, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Because like I said, this is a makeshift episode here. Uh, this entire episode, the prep time for this was probably total 40 minutes. Probably about 15 minutes this morning. I, I, as soon as I signed on, I got the messages from Brian. I really only had time to read them. And then when he came online, probably, you know, another 20 minutes. That's the entire prep time for this show. That's it. I mean, because technically this is a test broadcast. It makes me wonder what we're going to see tomorrow or the next day. Or if the Brian and I have time to seriously push this issue. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, what'll happen if, you know, I told Brian, let's hammer this out for a week, get all of our ducks in a row, I'll get all my notes together, you get all your notes together. I wonder what we'd find then. I wonder. Matthew, I forgot about something. What? Get ready. Yes, sir, I will. Um, I wonder if this is going to mess with stuff or not, because I want you to be able to see this, so I'm putting the camera on over there. <sighs> I forgot all about this. It just hit me to look. Um, let's get over here to Firefox. Israeli group finds signs of large East Mediterranean gas field. That just was released not long ago. Sunday, January 17th. Another large gas field found in Mediterranean, says Israeli energy firms. Let's see here. Cypriot government approves BG as noble, Delic partner. This is more going into these oil fields. Netanyahu to meet Greek Cypriot leaders in Nicosia. Talks between the leaders of non-Muslim regional countries are last in a series of three diplomatic meetings. You have got to be kidding me. Where are they meeting? This is going to be in Cyprus. Let's see. Uh, no, no, no. You said Nicolaitans. I saw what you said. Where did you say they're going to meet? <laughs> Scroll that back up to the top. The land of Nicosia on Thursday. 
Yes, the land. <laughs> you and I talked about this on air when we pointed this out to uh, everybody, that locality. That in the Greek, that is the land of the Nicolaitans. See, the discussion reflected the common will to enhance even further the partnership between Israel, Greece, and Cyprus in all fields. Foreign ministry statement issued at the time said. First of the meetings was held in Athens on November 12th of 2014. Scipius, no, seriously? Okay, these darn ads. Scipius visited Israel in late November 2015 and met with Netanyahu. Then, not long after, Scipius was elected for a second term. The Greek told reporters that, the Netan that he and Netanyahu discussed working with Israel to develop and transport natural gas to Europe. One of the main issues in our talks today were the opportunities arising in the fields of energy. The fields of energy in the East Mediterranean, we are considering ways in cooperation in research, drilling, transportation of gas from Israel to Europe, Scipius said. Discovery of a large gas field off of Israel is expected to turn the country from a consumer into a supplier. Though the government has faced a series of bureaucratic and legislative hurdles to lease the field to an American-Israeli consortium for drilling. Now take note here. This is the uh, Cyprus uh, gas field. This is named Aphrodite gas field. This is the Leviathan gas field. This is a natural gas field located in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Israel, southwest of the Tamar gas field. And now they found another one. It's released, let's see, this was released on the 17th. This one was released again Yeah, I can't stand it. This one was released on the 18th. It's a little hard sometimes to find dates on these. Off charts. And then on top of it, this article had just come out on the 20th. This was within the last 24 hours, folks. So now I'll go back over to you, Matthew, because like I said, I forgot all about this, and it was just funny that you were going, well, I wonder what would have happened if we had a week. Well, I guess we only needed a few seconds for my brain to kick back in again. I've been so caught up in history, folks, that I have not hardly had any time to look at all, um, look at all at, uh, Sorry about that, folks. I'm just trying to make sure the Skype over there gets cleared up so we lose the little phone pieces. But nonetheless, I haven't had hardly any time to look at news. I look every now and then. I'll stroll through the social networks, and I'll catch bits and pieces of stories that are going on. I've been so deep in this historical research that it's been utterly ridiculous. But nonetheless, you know, this all hit me last night. I spent, what, I think maybe a few hours going through all the verses and looking deeply at this. I mean, we haven't even touched where the Hebrew leads because that starts going into something altogether rather astonishing going back around to where it brings up Edom and Idumea. 
off the charts, Bri. I don't know what else to say, man. Off the charts. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been using the Bible source code tonight. You need to figure out how to get your hands on it. Um, if you want a little background on what this that is, just go to the Bible source code. I provided an audio over there, a detailed description uh, of it, uh, so you can understand uh, that. You don't have to worry about particular uh, translations. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving you the manuscripts that you can trust that have been tested and tried and proven to be true. So, ladies and gentlemen, what a whirlwind it is tonight. Here it's 1.30 in the morning. I have to get up in the morning, so we have to bring this to a close. But, ladies and gentlemen, just take note. Back a few episodes, the Brian and I explained to everybody about the Nicolaitans, and we were relating that uh, to locations. Uh, you can find that over on the uh, prophetico.net. Uh, we did a series on the uh, colors of the horsemen. I think that's where it's at, Bri, uh, where I described and pointed out to everybody that this exact place that he just shared with you that they just met and made a covenant at. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Nicolaitans uh, is in direct reference. You realize you would use that in the Greek to describe the people in that town, uh, which facilitated that meeting, obviously. That's where they live. Off the charts. Uh, off the charts, Brian. I'm speechless. I'm just speechless once again. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, You need to start biblicating yourself. You need to understand this. There's only one bride, and she is biblified. I know that a lot of you are probably going to send me messages again stating your favorite English translation. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can't get the Bible source code in English, period. Remember that uh, the King James Version, of course, isn't based on any manuscripts. They just picked and choose whichever one they wanted. And then with the modern translations, of course, well, they just include all the variants. Now, you can catch where they add things here and there through the footnotes, especially of the New American Standard Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, you can't get to the Bible source code in English. You can't. No English translation uses the correct manuscripts, not any. You can get uh, now uh, the Delich New Testament in English. Because take note, well, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, just go over to... The Bible source code, I've, I've got an audio there you can listen to uh, to get you up to speed on it. I suggest you start studying it, looking to it yourself, and get your hands on the code. Um, 
God's word is delivered to us in a binary code. It is both the Hebrew and the Greek. I suggest you get your hands on it as soon as possible. Uh, you may very well be running out of time. If any of you know uh, the phrase, uh, the Moshiim, know who they are, take note. It's my hope. It's not my prediction. No, 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 no. It's my hope that sparks are going to fly when the silent strike takes place. That's what I hope. I hope we get this shindig on the road. You know, my son was asking me, Daddy, why are you so adamant? My reply was this, I want to be just like Zachariah. I want to see the face of my king with these eyes. I want to be here. I am well aware that he has promised unto me a certain stretch of tribulation. But I want to see his face. Remember when Jesus was presented at the temple? God had promised the one that he would see his redemption with his own eyes. That's what I want. I don't want to retire. I don't have nothing saved up anyway. I don't want to live on the sunny beaches, wherever they might be. I don't want to go to the Ozark Mountains. I don't want to go to Sand Kitts. And I don't want the money to pay for that citizenship either, by the way. I want to see the face of my king with these eyes. That's what I want. So I hope the sparks fly come the sign of the strike. The Brian and I are watching and praying. We're hoping with all we got that the sparks fly as soon as those hooves hit the ground. Let them ride. Let them ride for glory. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless. Godspeed.